Your pillow, you want a pillow wants to not lie on a pillow? Yeah, pillows hate pillows. It wants to feel useful. Exactly. Pillows do not hate other pillows. I do. Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our historically accurate dolls and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judge's table, letting others duke it out instead. And for our final episode of season four of Meddling Adults, we have a lovely lineup, so let's meet our guests. The first is someone that you might know from their work on Supernatural or comic books such as as Tim Drake Robin, Dark Crisis Young Justice, other Batman and Robin stuff, or podcasts like Passenger List and things from the Bright Sessions universe. It's Megan Fitzmartin. Megan, how's it going? Hello, it's good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm happy to have you here. Glad we can finally make an episode like this take place. I'm so pleased. I'm so happy to be here. I am glad, and I am also glad to introduce our competitor, someone that you might know as Rudyard Fun from Wooden Overcoats, or you may be familiar with his work on Greater Boston, Zero Hours, Life with Leo, Unseen, Hello from the Magic Tavern, and more. It's Felix Trench. Felix, how's it going? Hello, Mike. It's going very well. Thank you. In preparation for this, I've been listening to Ave Maria by, I assume, your dad, Franz Schubert. Thank you for making that reference, because I feel like it doesn't happen enough. And people spell my name wrong all the time. And the most famous person with my last name spells it with the C, unlike those heathens at the Schubert Theater in New York. And I... That'd be Schubert. The Schubert Theater. I always want to tell people... Like, I'm like Schubert, like the composer, but then I just feel like I sound like the fanciest little preppy boy if I if I say that. So thank you. There, It's not impossible that I'm related to Franz Schubert because my parents did one of those Ancestry.com or whatever things. I love those. And then those. we found out that yes. we're Austrian on my dad's side, okay, which yeah. is very cool because Franz Schubert was Austrian. So, like, it is possible. We also found out, I never knew this, how reliable are Ancestry.coms because apparently my mother is 26% Italian. And I've never said that I am Italian. I've just said I grew up in a very Italian part of New Jersey, which is true. But I talk with my hands all the time and stuff. And I feel like my Italian friends and nearby neighbors and stuff formed me as a human. But maybe I'm also Italian? Question mark. I think, I mean. <laughs> was not far from Austria. That's true. Oh, I got a whole mix. I got a whole mess of stuff. So if you've not done it, I love Ancestry. I haven't because I'm terrified of people having my DNA because didn't like BlackRock buy 23andMe or something? I don't like that. I'm scared of that. I'm so sorry to tell you they already have your DNA. Like the people that want your DNA are going to have your DNA. Like that's not hard. <laughs> sorry, I don't know your culture. What is this supervillain company called BlackRock who oh, are buying DNA from people? Oh. No, who are BlackRock? They're like a trust fund investment firm thing where just like it's one of those things where like if you like zoom out enough on anything, like they own everything. Yes. Just imagine any like corporate supervillain thing. And it's like that, like where they just like they weirdly do everything. So did you say it was your dad who had done the DNA test? Both of my parents did it. I Both think of them. Both of them did it. So okay, I guess so right they got now, my stuff. There are right now caves <laughs> under America with the like. G.I. Joe action figures waiting to go of your parents, all lined up for when they need them. (laughs) Part of the reason I would suggest doing it, because I think it is really interesting, is it can tell you what percentage 
you get from your parents. So you, oh. if your mom is 24% Italian, it's not necessarily that you will get that same percentage, but it will be able to say like, oh, you are Italian from this side of your family. You are Italian from this side. Okay. They are okay. fairly accurate, but the thing to always remember and the reason why having more data within Ancestry is really helpful is because your mom only got a fraction of it. So she might have 24%. A sibling of hers might have 50 or might have... 10. So I'm the oldest of five kids and four of us have gotten DNA tested. And so it's been really interesting to sort of see the difference between our DNA and. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ancestry.com, sponsor the pod. I'll read over those terms of service incredibly carefully before I do. But I'm excited to have the two of you on the pod because you have both worked together on the same podcast series, the AM Archives, Megan serving as writer, Felix serving as voice actor. So I did serve. (laughs) You did serve. I never perform. I only serve for my audience. And uh, I just I just like this season. I've been trying to have as many people that have, you know, whether that is, you know, working relationships or friendships or whatever, just to bring out the animosity. So any sort of playful trash talking we get, I will just glee and glisten. I'm ready for playful trash talk. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm ready for trash talk. If it's not (laughs) playful, we'll see. I can't make promises. We are here to burn friendships down forever. But here is what we are going to be doing on this episode. We will be doing mysteries from the American Girl Doll mini mystery series. Are either of you familiar with this book franchise? Megan's hand is raised. Okay. I love the American Girl Dolls franchise. The mystery ones were always the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these were great. I think I've told Felix many times about the American Girl Dolls and... Their prominence in my life and the lives of so many of my contemporaries. I have spotted an unfair advantage. (laughs) I was going to say, Felix, I feel like by your voice, people can tell that you are German. uh, So you don't know. (laughs) You don't know. And in Germany, we never got American girl dolls. (laughs) But yeah, are you familiar? I guess Megan has told you about them. Are you familiar at least with the dolls? Did you know there's books about the dolls, both like of the longer variety and this where there's just like, it's basically Encyclopedia Brown mysteries but the america girl dolls are here yeah it's come up so i split my time between the uk and the us and i've found since coming here all these little bits of us culture that haven't really made it to my knowledge at least across the atlantic this is definitely a bit of deep lore that everyone here is very familiar with Mm -hmm. but doesn't feel the need to bring up, I suppose, when they're coming over and visiting at the pub, it's this and Veggie Tales. These are the two big ones. Ooh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Veggie Tales, you get the extra little uh, Christianity thrown in there too to make it extra American. A um, spicy. The American Girl Dolls. Ooh, spicy mm, cucumbers. Ooh, American Girl Dolls. American Girl Dolls are an interesting thing. And if everyone wants to feel old, uh, they have now made a 90s kid American Girl Doll. So if you're in your 30s, uh-oh, there's American Girl Dolls now because traditionally it was always like people from the 20s and the butter churning era. And now it's like, uh-oh, you can get a Pizza Hut pizza set with American Girl Dolls. So it's pretty is that great. what the 90s is? Yeah, the 90s. Let let me just look up American Girl Doll 90s Kid and see what the 90s in America are. She definitely has a Walkman. Ooh, yeah. I feel like she has a Walkman and she's got... Because I saw this recently. I don't mind that there's a 90s American Girl Doll because I uh, came from a very sheltered background. So even I don't really know what the 90s were. So it's (laughs) nice to see what other people view the 90s to be. (laughs) So according to... 
this article about it. Their names are Isabel and Nikki, Nikki spelled N-I-C-K-I, which is very on brand. They are apparently from 1999. They are twins, and I guess because Mary-Kate and Ashley. And they've got like a computer, like a big chunky computer, wireless phone. One of them, Nikki, who's the cooler one, has like a backwards hat and highlights just in the front of her hair, whereas the other one's the prep one, and she's wearing a beret and a sweater mm-hmm. vest. Mm-hmm. There's Oh, they have one of those inflatable plastic chairs with a Walkman. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I remember the inflatable plastic chairs. Well, here's what's interesting. The 90s American Girl doll has American Girl doll stuff from the 90s. We're getting into inception levels. They have an American Girl grin pins thing, which I remember my sister having them. There were like pins that you could have. I remember those, yeah. Listen, being a fan of the American girls in the 90s as a girl, it was like the only way that we would learn about our changing bodies. Because like, <laughs> it wasn't like parents were going to be the ones telling. Was there an American girl like my first period book? Like, yeah, there was <laughs> like, a like puberty, there's like a, a puberty thing. <laughs> you joke, but like there literally was a book that was like puberty changing bodies. And it was like, let's talk about okay. how to put tampons on. Let's talk about like, let's go. You're going to grow hair. And it was it truly was one of those things where it was like. All of the girls that I knew were afraid to talk about anything, but we all had this book and it was essentially like second to the Bible because we were like, this is the thing in which nobody's talking to us about this. Mm -hmm. That book is, to Felix's point, that book is deep lore. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we won't be covering that book on (laughs) this episode. We'll be covering the mini mysteries series. But here's how the game works. I will be recapping four quick mysteries from this children's novel series, American Girl Doll Mini Mysteries. Neither of you have read these or seen them ahead of time. I'll lay out all the clues. I'll ask for your accusations and each correct guess of culprit, who did it, whatever. That will earn you points. But there's also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess, you can earn a Misery Loves Company bonus point. And if you do anything else that is particularly fun, whether there's a fun pun made or a guess that's particularly wild that I just thought was a cool guess, even though it was way out of left field, anything that I feel the need to throw bonus points around, I'll do because it's 2023 and the world is not great. So if we can have some things that'll put smiles on my face, I believe they should be rewarded with points. Now, at the end of these four rounds, if the score is still tied, we will break the tie with the most fitting means possible, and that is a sudden death riddle, but we'll see if it even comes to that. Now, we've mentioned this is a show for charity. What charitable organizations will you two be playing for? Felix, who are you playing for today? I am playing for Dementia UK, who supports the carers of people who have dementia, so family, loved ones who find themselves in the position of carers. Okay, great. How about you, Megan? I am supporting the Organization for Autism Research, which funds research that is aimed at improving outcomes for individuals with autism and provides resources and support for families who are affected by a family member with autism. Wonderful. Two great organizations. We'll put links to them in the episode description. So if you want to check those out, listener at home, you can check those out. But without further ado, let's put the pedal to the metal and get to our first mystery, which is called When the Cat's Away. So we come upon the Patrick family's living room, which is an absolute mess. The Patricks, it's one of the girls. They're all interchangeable. Like there's four of them, but they're all exactly the same. So there's nothing defining about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The coffee table is covered in pretzels, popcorn, gum wrappers, and Brooklyn. This is the American girl we care about. Brooklyn, her twin siblings homework 
And then there are also cookie crumbs on the couch. So the place is an absolute mess. We also see Brooklyn's cat, Adonis, which is such a fancy name for their cat. The cat Adonis is playing with dried leaves on the carpet. There's soccer cleats in the middle of the floor. It's a pigsty in here. Brooklyn says they got to do a major cleanup before their mother gets home from chaperoning her older brother Dale's school camping trip. So Mr. Patrick calls from the dining room. He's helping the twins with a science project, and he says that they can clean tomorrow. Mr. Patrick is a chemistry professor, but he's trained as a chef He did that for a year before switching to chemistry, you know, the normal chef to chemistry professor timeline, and he enjoys experimenting in the kitchen. While all this is going on, Brooklyn sees a to-do list that Mrs. Patrick left for the rest of the family, so she starts checking over these things with her dad. She asks if he got the groceries, and he says, Roger that, and then the book has a note in parentheses that Roger that is dad speak for Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like, they let you know, fathers say this sometimes. <laughs> oh, is that where it comes from? I didn't realize it was a dad thing. <laughs> I think it comes from, like, military, it like, army stuff. It comes from the stuff. war. No, no, yeah. it comes from dads. It comes from the long tradition <laughs> of the dad the population war. of America. <laughs> and dads like When wars? the dads first came to the U.S. in the 19th century, they brought all of their <laughs> cultural language with them and dishes and science kits. The first dad, Roger, brought it yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, it Roger that. Ro- <laughs> Yeah, of the that family. All right, Felix gets our first <laughs> bonus point for establishing the lore of of Roger that, the first dad to be in this dad thing, taking a commanding one to zero lead. The origins of Roger that. So Brooklyn asks if he got the groceries. He says Roger that. She then asks if he made the vet appointment for the cat, and he says that's next week. She asks if he picked up Dale's suit from the dry cleaners, and he goes, suit? And Brooklyn reminds him that Dale needs his suit for the school dance tomorrow night. And she asks her dad, well, didn't you remember that mom took Dale's suit to the cleaner before leaving on the camping trip because it had spaghetti sauce on it from Aunt Margot's wedding? What happened at Aunt Margot's wedding? The question we really need to know. I wanted there to be more information, but that's the only mention of Aunt Margot's wedding. Also, Brooklyn, my sweet girl, dad's not going to remember any of that. What are you talking about? So she reminds him that the dry cleaners closes for the weekend at 6 p.m. Mr. Patrick checks his watch and says, all right, everybody, let's just get to cleaning up. I'll figure this stuff out later. He assigns everyone a job so that they can finish the to-do list. He says, let's all do these jobs and we'll meet back in an hour and then we can decide what to have for dinner. So an hour later, Brooklyn is done cleaning the second floor, heads downstairs to take the trash into the garage. When she does go into the garage, she passes her dad in the kitchen. He is starting to prep some spaghetti carbonara for dinner. And on the way through the garage to where the trash can is, she sees that the cat is now there. Adonis has moved from the couch to the hood of the car. So before she drops the trash off, she pets the cat, drops off the trash, and then comes back into the kitchen. And the cat follows Brooklyn back inside. Brooklyn then tells her dad she knows that he was lying earlier and just went to the dry cleaners to get Dale's suit within this hour of time. So I turned it over to the two of you. How did Brooklyn know her dad was lying? Wait, what? Sorry. So there's one point where Brooklyn's dad 
says he's overwhelmed by stuff and is like, all right, we all got to clean stuff around the house. Let's all do that for the next hour and then we'll reconvene and figure out a dinner plan. But Brooklyn knows that during that hour, he actually left to pick up the dry cleaning so that he wouldn't look forgetful when his wife came home. So Brooklyn is like, yo, I know you went to the dry cleaner and I have proof. So I turn it over to you two to determine what is the proof that Brooklyn noticed. Come on, Megan. I think that the proof is the fact that the cat was sitting on the car because cats famously love warm spaces to lounge in. And a car that has previously been out and about, the engine will have warmed it. It will be a nice cat spot. Okay. Felix, what about you? I think that the father has come back in incredibly laundered clothes, but like all of them, he's put on (laughs) the whole family's, all the outfits, incredibly crisp and warm, and has spent all of his tidying time going, oh, feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am happy to report that Megan is correct. It is the cat on the warm hood of the car. I've never had a pet, so I had no idea that this was a thing. I didn't think of this. Cat on car, I guess, felt like strange to me because it isn't soft. I don't know if cats actually do this, but the warmth does make sense. So I never had pets either. Instead of pets, I just had, like I said, four siblings, many of whom liked to pretend that they were cats. And I feel Ah. like that is what really gives you the edge is when you have a sibling who's just like, I see a a warm patch of light, so I'm going to pretend to be a cat now. And you're like, this is, we're in the middle of the mall. This is maybe not the time. Uh, uh. I think what you have to understand about cats because I had three cats at various points, is that a cat is effectively a sentient pillow. Ooh. It's about the same size. It's quite squidgy. It's quite soft. It doesn't... The the main difference between a cat and a, and a pillow is that they don't want your head on them. Mm. But that aside, no pillow... If you're a pillow, the last thing that you would want is to lie on another pillow. You want to lie on a lovely piece of concrete or whatever. Same with cats. Ah, okay. The cat is soft enough. It doesn't need a fellow soft surface. You want, the warmth is more important. Your pillow, you want a pillow wants to not <laughs> lie on a pillow? Yeah, pillows hate pillows. It wants to feel useful. Exactly. Pillows do not hate other pillows. I do. That's no, the best way, the best way to put your head on a pillow is when there's another pillow underneath it. Oh, I do have to resort to this because I like a thick pillow. I I use memory foam pillows. So anytime I go to a hotel, you better believe I'm stacking those thin, paper-thin crap pillows. That's right. And listening to the quiet screams throughout the night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the pillows hating each other just going... Exactly. Uh, Well, at the end of this first round, Megan has a three-to-one lead. We'll get into our second mystery, which is called Cousin Sam. But it's not Uncle Sam, it's Cousin Sam. Wait, sorry, was that the mystery? That was it. Yep, that was the whole thing. Brooklyn's dad wanted to look like a good husband. Why is dad lying about going to get the clothes? Because I I guess... Sorry, no. But I... No, listen, listen. You've never been a teenage girl, and it is important to call out everyone, including dads, on their lies. Yeah, no, fair. It is a weird lie to make. It is a very strange lie because the dad did admit to not remembering the suit thing by going, Dale's suit? Earlier? So he's got, like, nothing to cover up, but I guess he's just, like, a dad from any commercial where the dad is just like, huh? I can't use toilet paper to wipe up a spill? I have to use a towel or a paper towel? Don't use paper towels. Use towels. Save the world. Yeah. Sure. Listen, okay. he shouldn't Fine. be lying well, about it. his dad's an Look. idiot. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that the thesis statement, Brooklyn's dad, not great. Why is he doing chemistry experiments when he should be making spaghetti carbonara? Okay, but I will say this. Side note on the... the my favorite <laughs> thing about this is that... So I wrote a character I've written for Tim Drake Robin. Tim Drake's boyfriend is Bernard Dowd. And I gave him the backstory lore that he is going to school. He's going to the university to be in chemistry and majoring in chemistry because he wants to be a chef. So that already, I was like, oh, I do buy that. Yes, yes, yes. No, I I buy that. I think if you want to be one of those science chefs, a sort of Heston Blumenthal, or is it Alton Brown that you have here? Yes. Is he the science chef person? We do have him, yes. I think you want to really lean in. You can't be a little bit of, what's it called, like microgastronomy or something. You have to be there spherizing things. You need the test tubes. You need mm. lots of little prods and things. You need foam. Yeah, you can't be, you can't go halfway. <laughs> I think, though, I think what this mystery is emphasizing on the part of Brooklyn's dad is that he is an absent-minded professor. It's not so much that he's an idiot as much as he is he's got so much going on in his brain. Oh, it's, it's Robin Williams and Flubber. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I wonder what sort of alchemy he's bringing to spaghetti carbonara, which is a delicious <laughs> dish, but not the most complicated of dish. Like, what, what, what's he doing to spice it up? Like, it's instead of pepper, I have used hydrochloric acid. <laughs> instead of an egg, I've created a vegan byproduct. Maybe that's it. Maybe he made like a, a vegan <laughs> egg. I like the idea. I like the deep this pasta that is a gas. He's like, he's trying to be incredibly save the world friendly. And so he's trying to create all of these different ways to like make it taste good at the same time. Right. No meat, no egg. He's instead used, you know, vegan bacon and vegan egg. Yeah. That's right. Pancetta. Sorry. My Italian heritage. Don't hate me. I know it's in spaghetti carbonara. (laughs) You're 24% just reacted so strongly. Just, hey! (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now let's get into Missouri 2, Cousin Sam. So we have a couple of different people here. Again, do not worry about the names. None of the personalities of the characters in this matter. They're all the same. So Rose tells her American Girl doll friends Marie and Noelle that her cousin Sam is going to visit over Thanksgiving. And Noelle asks Rose, Sam the star? Cool. Rose, immediately undercutting Sam, says, I don't know if Sam starring in a walk-on role for a made-for-TV movie makes them a star, but sure. Wow. So Rose just ready to knock their cousin down a peg. (laughs) Yikes, Rooney. Let us have this in this day and age. Do you know the state of the television industry right now? Get it together, Rose. Be an ally. Yeah, you got to be able to brag about stuff. Like, was my podcast horse mentioned in a list of podcasts in the New York Times once? Yes. Do I always qualify it as New York Times podcast horse? Yes. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. You got to brag. It's hard. Rose has been watching the strikes and she always gives out a little <laughs> supercilious sigh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like, I love David Zaslav. He's so great. <laughs> oh, no. What I don't think Rose, of the billionaires. No. I'm really rooting against Rose in this moment. <laughs> Noelle says that Sam will be famous one day and Rose agrees. So I guess Rose thinks that Sam has potential, but just hasn't reached it yet. I think Rose is jealous. Yeah, Sam's mm. doing great. He's in a film. All right, a made-for-TV film. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Rose says that they should have a party the day after Thanksgiving with some boys from their class. Marie says that she'll be there, and then Hope, one of their other friends, overhears and asks, where will you be? And then Noelle explains that there will be a party at Rose's house for her cousin Sam the day after Thanksgiving. Hope is excited and mentions that she bunked with Sam at French camp two years ago. Ha, 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 ha. 
Noelle jokes that they can audition for movie roles together, and Rose says, you wish. Maybe a romantic comedy starring you and Ben, which is a kid that she has a crush on in class. So again, Rose, just like really coming with animosity. Yeah. What's going on at home, Rose? Are you okay? Yeah, Rose, let's talk it out. I want to know what happens at French camp. Yeah, it does sound intriguing. French kissing. Oh, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Dress up as your favorite French prime minister. (laughs) That is the Felix of Valérie Destang, of course. I I know you could have said any name and I would have been like, yeah. (laughs) I know Macron because he's the current one and that's it. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't know any of them. All right. So Ben overhears this because they did say his name out loud. And he <laughs> asks, are you talking about me? And Noel says, yes, which I love. Noel. Noel's energy. Noel. Great. <laughs> Noel. Girl. She's great. Noel, I guess, is trying to get Hope and Ben together because Noel goes, yes, Rose's cousin Sam is going to make us movie stars. Rose is throwing a party. You should come. So Noel, really playing matchmaker? Noel, a great friend. Rose, maybe not. Unclear what Noelle's game is going because Noelle, like, she's not even trying to, like, really put hope on the table here because, yeah, she's she's like, we're all going to be stars. Come be stars with us. What is happening? <laughs> she's just supportive. Rising tide lifts all ships. So Rose says that there will be enough going on at the party without them acting. We don't need to be doing auditioning and stuff. It's just for fun. And then this guy, Nate, goes, what's just for fun? <laughs> like Everyone is overhearing this. And Ben tells him about Rose's party. And then Ben says, oh, my brother wants to be an actor. Can my brother come? And then they say, sure. Then this guy, Matt, overhears and he goes, the party? (laughs) So it's just like, I guess they're having this conversation (laughs) in the lunchroom. American story. We are so loud as like, I just, I feel like (laughs) Americans are so loud anytime (laughs) that like, of course, everybody heard you say this. You were in the middle of a public place shouting. (laughs) The, the doors burst open. The principal <laughs> arrives. I understand there's going to be a party. <laughs> Can I come? Can I meet that guy from the movie? <laughs> I heard. I, I love direct to TV movies. I love Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a script I want him to read. <laughs> So because so many people have overheard this and are confused, Rose is like, all right, everybody listen up. Let me explain what's going on. And even though Rose has kind of quieted the group, Noel, who's so excited about this party, keeps butting in. So Rose says, listen closely. I'm only going to say this once. My cousin Sam and then Noel goes, the movie star. And Rose <laughs> continues, the made for TV movie walk on is going to be in town for Thanksgiving. We're throwing a party on Friday. You're wait, invited. Whoa, is, wait, is he a star or is he a walk-on? There is a very specific... Noel wants to believe that Sam is a star. Rose wants to say that Sam is a made-for-TV movie walk-on. So Noel likes to use star. I don't know what it is here, but that means something very specific in the UK. Mm. Walk-on is the step above extra. Yes. And to be a walk-on you have to, in some way, change the composition of the scene. Mm. And I know this, because one of my first gigs was I was doing an advert for Schweppes, which for some reason never got shown. And some they reason. cast... Canada Dry, sponsor the show. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> they cast actors for the walk-ons and then extras for the extras. And the, the scene was an office party. And I got £200 for a day of lying under a table because they were just shooting my legs And that, in some way, changes the story of the scene, because then you go, someone was so drunk that he was under the table, and they didn't know 
when the thing was going to go out. So they did a regular one. And then I did another one where I had to wear Father Christmas trousers just oh. in case it was going out at Christmas. Yes. Very That's good. good. So this could be what Sam is doing. It could be a pair of legs. Yeah. Here's my important follow-up. What defines Father Christmas trousers? Like Santa suit? Or is it like I have a pair of pants called Panta Claus where one leg is green and one leg is red? Santa suit. Okay, Santa suit. Tell me suit. more about Panta Claus. <laughs> so Panta Claus is a pair of pants that I got maybe 2017 and I've worn them every Christmas since. And good, yes, good, one leg yes. is red, one leg is green. The belt loops alternate red and green. And uh-huh. then the pockets are lined with like a Christmas red and green plaid. So, oh, so that your that hands feel on. Christmassy. Yep, everything is Christmassy. And then you can like kind of see it in the back pockets because like a little bit of it shows. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's just, it's really good. So I wear that and then I got a very like ugly Christmas sweaters before they came a thing like before they became capital U capital S and the year before Macklemore released the song thrift shop so everybody went thrift shopping I got like a handmade women's ugly Christmas sweater that's got like beads and hand sewed buttons and all of that and I wear that and Panta Claus every Christmas and now I never have to go shopping for Christmas clothes again because I'll wear the two of those until the end of time great wonderful yep Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the mystery. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll take it from the top of this conversation. So Rose says, listen closely. I'm only going to say this once. My cousin Sam, Noel goes, the movie star, Rose goes, the made-for-TV movie walk-on is going to be in town for Thanksgiving. We're throwing a party on Friday. You're invited. We'll play. And then Noel says, charades, so that Sam can see how fine an actor I am. <laughs> ben then grumbles and says, we get it. You love Sam. And Rose says, we will play non-acting games just to annoy Noel. Hope says that her and one of her friends can reenact their roles from the school play, and then they can invite the whole cast and give Sam a performance. Rose says that Sam is excited to hang out with everyone again, and Matt asks, who is Sam? Rose, who's exasperated at this point, says, oh God, maybe we'll just go see a movie. And Ben says, Sam's okay, but he's not amazing. I should know. I spent a lot of time with him last summer. And Marie says, no, you don't know. So the mystery is, how does Marie know that Ben doesn't know things about Sam? What? Ben said, Sam's okay, but he's not amazing. I should know. I spent a lot of time with him last summer. And then Marie knows that Ben has no idea who Sam actually is. So Sam is a perfectly medium person. I would like to give all these kids detention. Oh, that's a correct decision. But we have a mystery to solve. How does Marie know that Ben doesn't know who Sam is? What? She doesn't. (laughs) Nothing anyone has said is based in any kind of fact. This is pure opinion. Okay. I think it has something to do with French camp. I think it has something to do with the fact that somebody was at French camp with Sam. Hope bunked with Sam at French camp two years ago. French camp sounds like a blast because that sounds like a co-ed camp. How do you bunk? Mm -mm. Anyway. I have some questions about Hope, the nature of Hope and Sam's relationship. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe Hope told Marie who said that, wait, no, that has to be it because Sam was at French camp and Ben didn't go to French camp. Okay, we've got your guest locked in. What about you, Felix? So Marie spoke to Ben <laughs> who heard from Pete who... <laughs> was playing marbles with Johnny Richard and he and Isabel and Lucy and Phyllis, they all visited Sam on set and found that he was 
a perfectly medium person. He's great for half an hour. Once you get to like the 35 minute mark, you go, ah, you've got no chat, Sam. You've got like updates. That's all this conversation is. I don't know. I need you you to take this mystery seriously because this is important. We need to know how did Marie know? We need to know. But that's not a mystery. Who cares? What do you mean? How did she know? Because the book says we care. Okay. She knows because Sam is actually her patron. Sam has been funding her through, I assume, high school. Ooh. Okay. With okay. His TV money. <laughs> I am happy to say. Neither of you are correct. So I'm not, I guess I'm not happy to say. I'm, I must say, neither of you are correct. Felix, I'm giving you a bonus point for the just the wonderful rattling of American names off. Phyllis? You're giving him a bonus point for Phyllis? You're all called Phyllis. <laughs> you were called I just f- like Phyllis three days ago. I was never. When- <laughs> Mike spends every Saturday as Phyllis. <laughs> Only Saturdays. I'm trying though. to remember if my grandmother's name was Phyllis. This feels like it might be. Hey. I think she was. Could be. Here's the truth. Megan, you were so close because you brought up the bunking thing. Sam, not a boy. Sam is a girl, and that's why I'm Sam so bunked right. with hope. You were so close. So I tried close. really hard. I hope I didn't. I always just called Sam Sam and never used a pronoun. Um, no, yeah, you never used I, a pronoun because I did notice yeah, that. I think one of the two of you determined Sam was a he, and then that was basically the crux of this entire mystery mm. is that Sam could be short for Samuel or Samantha, and that is how Marie knew that Ben didn't know who Sam was because clearly Ben was thinking of a boy named Sam and not a girl named Sam. Oh, I think that was probably me. I think we've uncovered (laughs) this deep in my heart I am a sexist. Yeah, yeah. How incredibly gender normative of us. I dislike this. Ugh. We, you know what? We deserve to not win that. Do you know the worst thing about this is that I think I have met more Samanthas in my life than I have Samuels. It is one of those things where sometimes with gender neutral names, like you just think of one versus the other, but also like, who cares at this point? Yeah, exactly. Everyone you know is called Samuel. It's either Sam or Phyllis. <laughs> that's, I don't, that's, I just. That's, you get, <laughs> it's your whole Facebook friend group. I just like that Phyllis is the name that you think Americans are named. Like, I like that you just have, we're all like Phyllis, Joyce, Evelyn, like all the old names. Yeah. (laughs) I like, I had, I had opinions on the other names, but the fact that it was that he landed on Phyllis and I was like, I just. Phyllis. Yeah. What a, who? American TV doesn't come through cables to us. It's bounced off stars. (laughs) We're just getting 1940s telly right now. Ah, so your American accent is everyone talking in the transatlantic (laughs) style. Yeah, that sounds normal. Yeah, makes gosh, sense. Gosh, I could do it buying some cigarettes right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means our score as we head into our break is three to two. Megan with a slight lead. We'll take Just our quick mid-roll break, middling adults, where we talk about some updates and stuff with the podcast. And then we'll get into our final two mysteries. <laughs> Fellow sleuths. 
Welcome to the final Middling Adults for Season 4 of Middling Adults. Here in this mid-roll break of Middling Adults, we talk about things in regards to Middling Adults. If this is your first episode of Middling Adults, thank you so much for listening. And if you're a seasoned Middling Adults veteran, thank you for being here as well. Not too much update-wise to talk about, mainly just want to thank you all. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for dealing with the strange Season 4 that we had with breaking it into two parts and the delay in between Seasons 3 and 4 and all that. It was just a bit of a process to make the show fully independent, but we are here now and we're moving and grooving along in this back half of season four was really fun to put together. The front half of season four was fun to put together. It's all been fun all around, and I'm excited for the future of Meddling Adults, where hopefully we can get on somewhat of a normal annual schedule so that people can understand and know when they can expect to hear episodes of Meddling Adults in their ear holes. Fear not, this is not the last you will be hearing of Meddling Adults in the coming months. We'll be doing our classic things that we do in between seasons, such as the Meddling Mailbag and updates about how much money we were able to raise this season and we'll also be doing some other fundraising efforts we'll raffle off the american girl mini mystery books for example might even be doing something where you can be on a special live streamed episode of meddling adults for charity so stay tuned make sure you're still subscribed in the feed wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you can check that out now since this is the season four finale i want to thank the folks who have supported at the highest tier of our patreon this season the true meddling adult tier so thank you you so much to CC Reads 23, Jordan Conrad, Yogan Shanley, Polly Burridge, and Fawny Bond. Thank you so, so much. Truly appreciate all of the dedication that you had in helping us raise money for charity. And thank you to everyone who joined our Patreon or anyone who's given to the PayPal or anything at all. As I've said in the past this season, if you've just listened to episodes this season, you've helped raise money for charity with the ad money. So thank you all so much. I'm excited to see what we were able to put together in terms of charity donations this season. Season once I run the numbers. Now, speaking of the ads, we're going to take a brief break here for some ads. Some of them will be read by me and others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. And if any weird sponsorship comes through, I try to block any sort of sketchy company, but sometimes they find their way through the cracks. Just send an email to meddlingadults.gmail.com and I will tell my advertising partner to get them squashed. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Meddling Adults. And we are back and we are here for our third mystery of this episode, and that is Lost in the Library. So this begins... There's not going to be a mystery, is there? Oh, there is a There's, mystery. So far, there haven't been actual <laughs> mysteries. I don't know what you're talking about. Felix, they've all been mysteries. They have all been mysterious. It's going to be someone has put a book down somewhere and turned to the other and said... Where's the book? And then we're going to have to figure it out. You're going to tell me that you don't put a book down somewhere and then get really upset when you can't find it again? Yeah. I think <laughs> where's my keys is a mystery. Where did I put them? Hmm. Where are my sunglasses? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't get Poirot to solve where's my keys. <laughs> but if you No, could, you get the American girl doll girls. <laughs> exactly. Poirot wishes. Yeah, right. These are the real cases. This is something I love that finds its way into lots of children's series. They do this sort of thing in Scooby-Doo a lot, and now they're doing it in the American Girl mini-mysteries. Harriet Putter is the hottest book in town at <laughs> the Lincoln Middle School Library. It is about a girl with magical powers. Great. Harriet Great. Putter. Great. Great. She's yes. very good at golf. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that's a bonus very point. Scottish. Yeah, all right, she, yep, okay, she's a Scottish wizard. Uh, yeah, so three to three now. Yep, she's great at golf. Harriet Putter. Uh, so Marie excitedly sees that the Harriet Putter book is finally in the school library, so she grabs it and wants to check it out with Mrs. Morris, the librarian. Brooke also grabs for the book and says that she is next in line for it, but Marie disagrees. Brooke turns to Mrs. Morris and says, Mrs. Morris, since I'm your favorite library aide and since I'm working in the library now and Marie's just hanging out, I get Harriet Putter, don't I? I hate Brooke with all my soul. I hate her. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. She sucks. Mrs. Morris a librarian of principle, says it goes to the next person on the waiting list and asks these two girls if they have signed up. Marie says that she did days ago and she's still 12th on the list. Brooke says, yes, I'm on the list as well and I'm 11th, so I get it. Which, if you knew you were on the waiting list, Brooke, rather than try and suck up, why don't you just say, I'm on the waiting list? I don't get why you have to resort to nepotism. Because she sucks. (laughs) Yeah, she sucks. You're right, that's it. Absolutely sucks. (laughs) She sucks. Wait, so she's 11th and Brooke is what number? Brooke is 11th. Marie is 12th. So Brooke, who sucks, is 11th. Marie, who does not suck, is 12th. But But I sense that this book is going to skip a generation. Uh Uh-oh, Brooke is in 11th. So we'll see what happens. So Mrs. Morris says to leave the book with her, but then tells them that she ordered more copies, and that means the waiting list should move more quickly once they come in. She tells Brooke to go back to work since she's a library aide, and she will see Marie at 2 p.m. when it is her shift to work. So Marie also does work for the library, just not at this moment in time. Yeah. Brooke's point, I guess, is that she's the favorite? (laughs) She's the morning aide, and therefore she deserves it more. Okay, so interior, morning, child labor high. (laughs) We're in the library. (laughs) We are paid entirely in reading. (laughs) We get paid in weightless spots. Yeah. Marie shows up to work at 2 p.m. sharp because she's a dedicated worker and does not suck. Mrs. Morris then gives Marie a cart of books to shelve in the science section. As Marie is shelving books about space, nuclear energy in the middle school library, Uh nuclear energy, and lizards, she sees Harriet (laughs) Putter on the shelf between lizards of Albania and lizards of the Arctic. So, seems to be in the wrong section, both by Dewey Decimal System and then also alphabetically. I guess maybe if you're doing it by author name, though, but I forget how the Dewey Decimal System works. I just know that it exists. I know that it also sucks, much like Brooke. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Marie brings the book to Mrs. Morris and asks, how did this get here? And Mrs. Morris says, well, it didn't happen by magic because Mrs. (laughs) Morris is the best. (laughs) She's so good. It didn't happen by magic. And then she says she will ask during the library aides meeting tomorrow morning because clearly someone made a mistake. Marie is confused because she thought Mrs. Morris was supposed to be out at a conference tomorrow and a substitute was going to fill in for her as the librarian. Mrs. Morris says the conference was canceled. The next morning, they have the library aide meeting and the seven library aides get there. Here are the names. Matt, Nate, Russell, Marie, Faith, Brooke, and Hope. And they will all have little parts to play here. Mrs. Morris says, Yesterday, somehow, Harriet Putter was moved from my desk, where I had saved it for Allie Bentley, who is next on the list to check it out. It ended up on the shelves. Does anyone have any idea how it got there? Russell says that he was not at school yesterday, so that's his alibi. Hope says that she wasn't working at the library yesterday, so that's her alibi. 
Brooke says that she shelved fiction during her shift, but left Harriet Putter on the librarian's desk. Matt says that he was shelving the history section, not the science section, during his shift. Nate says that he was in the library yesterday to check out a book, but didn't have a work shift either. Faith says today is her shift. And then Mrs. Morris says to be careful when shelving so this accident doesn't happen again with a book so popular like Harriet Putter. But Marie realizes that it wasn't an accident and knows that someone intentionally misshelved Harriet Putter. So I turn it over to the two of you. Who did it? And how did Marie know? Brooke, because she sucks. Sorry, who are our options? <laughs> Brooke, because she sucks. Here's what we've got. I'll run Brooke, through. Phyllis, we've got. <laughs> Fanta lemon. <sighs> Russell says that he wasn't at school yesterday. That's his alibi. Hope says that she didn't have a work shift yesterday. Brooke says that she was shelving fiction, but she didn't shelve Harriet Putter. She left it on the desk. Matt says he was shelving the history section, not the science section during a shift. Nate says he was in the library yesterday to check out a book, but he didn't have a work shift either, so he wouldn't have been shelving books. Faith says that today is her work shift. And then Mrs. Morris says, be careful, blah, blah, blah. But then Marie goes, ah, somebody's lying. I know what happened. I mean, not, I... Uh, <laughs> you so... No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody's lying. It does matter. It does matter because you want this book. You've been waiting for this book. This is the book that will get you to read. This matters. No, it's in the series. So I've already read the other ones. <laughs> it's, uh, someone thought... It, it was but lizards, it's gonna get but actually spoiled. it's wizards. It was a it's rhyme. Gonna... That was the issue. <laughs> lizards and wizards. Okay, okay. Do you have a guess here? It was Matt. It was Matt. I okay. blame it all on history Matt and his obsession with the Dark Ages. Okay, so you've accused Matt, just kind of pulling it out there. You just think Matt, Felix, is, uh, is a bunch of crap. I have accused Matt of negligence. I have accused Matt of a dereliction of duty because he's too obsessed with monks. Yeah, I mean, look, history section, he, that's where he was. Maybe he, he messed it up. Megan, do you have a guess? So, Felix, Megan. I think you may have stumbled onto the real culprit because how did Matt know it was the science section? Oh. Mrs. Morrison didn't say... It's a big sign. <laughs> but he didn't know that it was there. She just said it was on the shelves. He could go and have a look. He's got agency. But if he would had to look, then he would have known. Don't get too angry, Felix. You did guess Matt. <laughs> you do have points at stake. You could still get it right. So, Megan, your thought is because he said I wasn't in the science section, that that gives it away because all Mrs. Yeah. Morris said was, quote, it ended up on the shelves. Does anyone have Listen, any idea I how it got there? I wish it were Brooke, but unfortunately, <laughs> I think that Brooke may be innocent here. Well, I am this time happy to say you are both correct. It is that Matt's alibi was I was in the history section, not the science section, but the librarian, Mrs. Morris, never said it was in the science section. She just said the shelves. But because the score is tied three to three, and look, because you got it right, I'm I'm not too concerned about, you know, it's not like it's a math Wait, class where you have so, to get it in the right way. You're both getting the three so points. So the answer is that Matt had an alibi and he lied. No. Everyone had an alibi. Everyone could have lied. No, but he knew. But he did lie and like he gave away that he was the one who hit it. He was trying to hide it so that he could get it later. His alibi was, oh, I wasn't in the science section, so it couldn't have been me. I was using the history section. But Brooke's alibi, she was, she was in the fiction section. But Mrs. Morrison never said that she was in the science section. 
Brooks said, I was shelving fiction, which is to say, like, I would have potentially been the person to mess it up, but I left the book on the desk. So she kind of clears off one half of the equation. If someone else said that they were shelving the science section, that could have been the other half of that equation. But instead, we just have Matt, who I guess maybe was doing science. He just lied and said he was doing history. But Brooke could have lied. She might not have been shelving fiction. We're taking it at face value. <laughs> but she didn't lie. I've never seen someone be correct and be so angry at the same time. <laughs> no, she might have been outside. She might have been making a meringue. That would be a nice use of the afternoon. I would like Brooke more if she were making a meringue. <laughs> I would understand why she's being such a jerk. Oh, sorry. I It kind of mean me. I had all of these egg whites and I was whisking them. I was just, <laughs> look, here I am. I'm whisking egg whites. Adding a bit of sugar? I can't. But I'd... see, that would explain why she was so cranky, because making a meringue is difficult. They're so hard. Yeah. I'm a big, love to cook, very good at cooking, cannot bake, because I can't do the like precision. Oh, it's like, oh, no, you put in same. 12 grams of this, not 11 grams. My wife tried to make meringues once, and she did everything right, and they didn't come out properly, <gasps> and she spent like the whole day trying to do no. it. I, and now the problem was we had a at that time a gas oven which was like very inconsistent mm. heat so like some came out okay Sorry. and others didn't but like I can't imagine putting in hours of work and then it's like oh yeah they didn't work properly no. like I could mess up a curry so badly and then still come around and fix it like I, I can make it work but I just I can't do baking power to anyone who bakes maybe we need our uh, our chemistry baker guy from the previous mystery Mr. Uh, Patrick. Patrick, maybe he can come through with his chemistry knowledge. And he, he doesn't just bake, he creates science out of it. <laughs> yeah. This cake will go to space! <laughs> All right, we're getting into our final mystery now. The score is tied 6-6, six six. it's getting heated. This final mystery, in classic fashion, is called The Butler Did It. So, Charlotte, another American girl. I believe there's 75 of them in this book series. Charlotte and her mom are in Washington, D.C. for her Aunt Jade's wedding. The wedding is being held at Jade's friend's townhouse in Georgetown and is being catered by her fiancé's favorite restaurant. The townhouse is decorated with flowers and the garden is set up for the ceremony. And inside the house, there are waiters wearing black jackets and bow ties offering guests lemonade. Charlotte's mom introduces Charlotte to Simon, who is Jade's fiancé, and Charlotte says hello but feels embarrassed because there was this whole awkward thing where Charlotte thought Jade's fiancé, Simon, was one of the waiters because he's also wearing a black tuxedo, white shirt, black tie, just because I guess the groom would wear something similar to the waiters. So they have a little bit of a conversation there. Simon then begins to introduce them to other guests at the party. Charlotte can only remember Mrs. Whist, who is the owner of the townhouse, and then they go to the garden for the actual wedding ceremony. Afterwards, while Charlotte is trying to congratulate Jade and Simon, Mrs. Whist asks if she wants to meet her pets. Because I guess that's the fun person Mrs. Whist is. I mean, that's a direct yes. Yeah, just, yes, I would love to see your pet's person who owns the house where the party is. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Tell me all their fun facts. What are we talking? Dogs? Peacocks? Oh, we're getting some fun ones. So, bring them upstairs, and they're in a study that has reading chairs and bookshelves and colorful posters on the wall. One poster has an old-fashioned car pulling into a driveway, and it says, The Unexpected Guest. Another has a butler holding a platter that reads, A Murder is Announced. Charlotte (laughs) comments that she likes the poster and Mrs. Whist explains that they're from mystery novels that she used to read. Mrs. Whist then walks to the balcony, where a tabby cat is sleeping in a window box planted with geraniums, and the cat's name is Watson, because of course it is. 
Charlotte then goes to pet Watson when she hears a voice say, Come, Watson. And it's a gray parrot named Holmes, which is great. Oh, so fun. So, so, so fun. She says that Holmes is a very clever bird and found her lost keys last week. They watch a lot of mysteries together, and Mrs. Whist jokes that Holmes is becoming a bit of a detective just like their namesake. The parrot then says elementary, which Sherlock Holmes, I think, never said. Like that famous quote, elementary, my dear Watson, never once said in the books. No. (laughs) Love that. It's like, isn't it also they never, doesn't Anthony Hopkins never say hello, Clarice, in Silence of the Lambs? I think that's another one. And then he doesn't say, Luke, I'm your father. It's no, I'm your father. It's like all these famous quotes are misquoted. What are we doing here? We got to get These writers, they can't write. All right. (laughs) They get all of their scripts wrong. Don't don't say that too loudly. (laughs) All right. See how you like it so much when somebody writes you something. And oh, no, I just signed. My pen slipped. Anyway, you're saying a horrible thing. And the internet hates you. What about what about that? What about that now? (laughs) My pen slipped to write. And also, Felix is a dick. (laughs) Felix is playing a character named Felix, who sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And cast as Brooke, Felix. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) So the parrot says elementary. Mrs. Whist then lets Charlotte feed Holmes some apple slices, which I think is an interesting choice for a bird. I didn't know that birds could have apple slices. Jade suddenly appears out of breath and frantic. She is searching for her marriage license. She had left it in the study so it wouldn't get lost, but the photographer wants a picture of her and Simon signing it, which is not how marriage licenses work, but she is trying to find it, and she can't, so she's all distraught. It's not a wedding photograph if you don't hold up the license. <laughs> also, like, depending, at least, at least when I had to do it, like, we had to get that thing signed, like, Part before, yeah, and then like immediately after the ceremony. Doesn't count. Like, like sorry, and it wasn't it was it wasn't photographed. That didn't count. And also, like, it's not photographed. <laughs> uh, You're uh, not married. Don't tell the state of Texas and also the Catholic Church. Oh no! <laughs> don't tell Jesus Christ. You are living in sin, my friend. You need to get that marriage <laughs> uh, no. license photographed by someone who costs around five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our wedding photographer would have done. I think there probably is a photo of it, just not a photo of us signing. Well, that, it. Is, my friend, is where AI Photoshop comes into play. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so anyway, she's trying to get this photo of it. She can't find it. She's frantic. So Jade is all distraught. Mrs. Whist says, it's got to be somewhere. No one's been upstairs today. And Holmes announces, the butler did it. And Charlotte and her mom help search. And Jade is confused as to where it could be because only she and Simon knew that it was in the study. So where could it be? Holmes repeats again, the butler did it. And Mrs. Whist asks the parrot, is he trying to tell them who took the license? And then Holmes says, elementary, the butler did it. So Charlotte's mom is confused, but Mrs. Whist realizes what Holmes meant and says that she thinks the marriage license is already downstairs and she knows who took it. So I turn it over to the two of you. How did Mrs. Whist realize what the parrot meant by the butler did it? Oh, I know. Do you know, Felix? Oh, I mean, there's two people dressed as butlers. But also, <laughs> I would love <laughs> to have a parrot that just that just quotes. Oh, I know the answer, but please, I would love <laughs> that to just quotes random. Bits okay, of, but Felix, you of finally get you finally get a mystery that is like important. Like she needs her <laughs> marriage license. This is an important mystery, and you can't be bothered with it. This is. Okay. This is not but, interesting but, and not important. <laughs> but w- how great because would it be the parrot. to have like <laughs> a cockatiel or something like, what? 
I think it would be fun just to citing off quotes from your favorite what? thing. Little Grace House. We're no longer looking at like, but where is the book that was set down? Or why did dad lie? We've got an actual mystery here. And you just want to like hang out with the bird. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but he's look, he still has his guess. Megan, was your guess the same? What was your thought to the solution? My thought to the solution is that Simon probably grabbed it because he looks like the butlers. And he's got it. Mm-hmm. Well, Simon? again, he's the fiance. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you both got it correct. And then that is the reasoning. It's because the the tuxedo clad fiance was dressed just like the waiters. And Mrs. Wiss was like, oh, the parrot probably thought the waiter was right. a butler and Simon is dressed like them. So that means you both get the three points. So it's tied nine to nine, meaning we do get to the sudden death riddle to determine who wins the episode. Before we get to that, can I tell you my more interesting solution to this mystery? Please, please. What I wanted to happen was that the bird stole it because the bird also clearly stole the other thing that Mrs. What's-Her-Name was looking for earlier. Like, he found the keys. No, ma'am, he stole those keys and and just was like, here you go. So I want the bird to have stolen the marriage license and put it behind the poster. That's what I wish was the mystery. Uh, Whoa. That's good. That would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. No one suspects the parrot. Yeah. The bird wants to be the groom, not Simon. And you know what? I ship it. I want that bird in shape. Cut to the bird in a full tuxedo flying around downstairs holding the marriage license. I'm married one now! Standing in front of a woman. Happy state of my life! Oh, I love it. I love the fan fiction we've crafted. Yeah. But now it's time for the sudden death riddle. Right. So for the sudden death riddle, I will say the riddle and then we will do audio buzzing. So say buzz and then put forth your guess. We will then let the other person guess if you are incorrect and then we can move on to another riddle in case neither of you get it. So here is our riddle. What kind of coat is best put on wet? Paint. Buzz. Paint. (laughs) Correct. It is paint. Felix. Against all odds, uh, has done it. No. Angry at every mystery, but victorious in the episode. Angry at every mystery. I knew he was going to get it because these are, <laughs> these are what are they called? Word puns? Not word puns. Yeah. Word I mean, play. Word, word riddles, play on words, word play, little cheeky Felix's little bread stuff. and yep. butter. I've also spent a lot of time painting things this past year. And mm. you tried dry paint and it didn't work. Yeah, Exactly. Chalk. <laughs> rubbish. Chalk is absolutely rubbish. I don't suggest That's one thing you take away from this. Don't just grind up some chalk with the heel of your boot and throw it at walls. You'll achieve almost nothing. <laughs> oh, well, it was a close one. It was heated. But Felix, you have won 10 to 9, meaning you have earned money for Dementia UK. How does it feel to reign victorious in these American girl mysteries? I'm delighted. I would like to thank... Both of you, I would like to thank the American girls. I would like to thank Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did help, which was probably edited out, but there was some uh, production assistance from Kelly (laughs) helping us out. (laughs) I'd like to apologize for taking up so much time with audio setup. (laughs) It's all right. People at home didn't have to listen to it. I know exactly. Also edited out. But uh, (laughs) 
This is wonderful. Thanks for letting us play. Yeah, uh, this was really fun. Of course. Megan, you fought valiantly. It was it was close. You were right there. Mm. It came down to tricky word stuff, you know not mystery stuff. The nice thing is I'll allow it for dementia care. I think that that's beautiful. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's nice that even if I lose, I win. Exactly. That's the joy of having a competition for charity. We're all winners. Now, yeah. if people enjoyed hearing you on this podcast and they want to check out other stuff that you're doing, where can folks find you? You want to go first? Felix, you go first because you won. I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, I don't post as much these days. That's probably for the best. Yeah, I'm I'm always at Felix Trench. Except on Blue Sky, I think I'm just Trench there. I felt clever. Ooh, I felt clever because... That is nice. But then I think that makes me a little harder to find. But generally, I'm at Felix Trench in uh, all the places. Amazing. Yeah, I was able to secure Shubes on Blue Sky as opposed to Ooh. every other thing where I have to get Shubes 17. It's everyone with the last name Schubert tries to get Shubes, and the only places of, like, public interest I've gotten it are PlayStation. Even though I don't online game, I do have Shubes just as my straight-up username. Is that and your main social, Sky, so. social media? My main Come. social media, yeah. Catch me on PlayStation Network. I update my status yeah. every day. Uh, yeah, if, if you add me, it's not going to work out. I do not play online gaming because I <laughs> like to be able but to pause. But I do pause. post pictures of my lunch. <laughs> yes, I will. I will be posting all of my tweets from my PlayStation Network account. <laughs> Great. Yes, good. <laughs> but not gaming. Uh, Felix, I will also help you out in promoting you have a Substack. That's pretty oh, good. Oh, that's I just true. Oh. I put out Your newest Substack. one today. I put out a Substack every month about acting. If that's the thing that interests you, uh, you can come and join me in being geeky about the profession. Just look up Felix Trench Substack. There you go. As a non-actor, it is really helpful from a writing perspective to read about it. So I highly recommend it for folks. We could segue to yours because Megan's got one as well. I have one as well that I'm not nearly as consistent with because I get overwhelmed very easily. But yes, I'm on Substack. I am on all of the social medias as MegFitz89 because that is the thing that I found and chose when I was eight years old and got my first username. And it will be the username that I have till the day I die. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just had my second movie come out this year called Justice League Meets Ruby Part 2 mm-hmm. that you can get on digital and DVD. You can watch the first part because I think the first part is fun. You also don't have to. We do a recap. And yeah, I'm around. Check me out. Say hi. All the above. Fantastic. I also have to say before we go, I am very happy. My sister would be very proud. She's also a Megan and is a GH Megan. The only correct way the to spell Megan right in her way. eyes. Yes. I got to say, like, I know I'm biased, but like if you're M-E-G-A-N, you're Megan. And yeah. if you're M-E-A-G-A-N, you're Megan. Like, Megan, yes. Megan yeah. the G-H gets you the gh that like, I think it makes sense. Even when people are trying to be phonetic about it, they're like, oh, Meghan. That sounds great. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Megan. Yeah, you can say Meghan. That's fine. My my grandmother, not Phyllis, but my other grandmother <laughs> used to say. Starch out. Her name was Phyllis. My other grandmother would call me because she's a very Southern lady and she would say, Megan. So all of the emphasis was on that very first syllable. There you go. So does your sister get called Megan Shubert? She never has been, thankfully. I think she usually gets Megan Schubert, but I think it's because she spells Megan the proper official way. The correct way. <laughs> the That's endorsed right. way we by me, very biased man, Mike Schubert, who has a sister <laughs> named Megan and spells it that way. But anyway, Megan and Felix, thank you so much for joining. This has been a delight, thank listeners. You, Mike. Of, well, no problem. Listeners, thank, thank you, you so for listening. Thank you so much for having us. It, it was a delight. What better way to conclude season four of Meddling Adults than a heated American girl adult mysteries battle between two fantastic meddling adults.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and this season of Meddling Adults. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Mike Schubert. It's edited and produced by Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Kampamanas and Brandon Grugel. The art is by Ma'ai Anatius and Kelly Schubert. And the web design is by me and Kelly Schubert. It is not too late to join in our season four charitable efforts. If you join the Patreon at patreon.com slash meddlingadults, or you give a one-time donation at paypal.me slash meddlingadults, or you just listen to any episode of Meddling Adults, you can continue to contribute to the funds before I run all of the numbers. It's already pretty late in the year, so I don't know if it'll be at the end of this year or early next, but you can still do those things and it'll go towards the pool of funds that we are able to give to charity. Make sure you're subscribed to Meddling Adults wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss any sort of update things that we post to the feed in between season four and season five. And you can follow us on social media for any sort of updates there. We're at Meddling Adults on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you all so much. I really do appreciate it. I've been so happy to bring this show back and I'm very excited for what lies ahead. Thank you all so much. I cannot thank you all enough. This has been a wonderful time, a wonderful season, and I'm so excited for even more episodes in the future of Meddling Adults.